But you'd be surprised how many people come out on our digs. And, you know, since they were Dylan's age, they wanted to be a paleontologist. But they had to go out and get a job, make money, which now they're retired. And they're finally joining up on a dinosaur dig. And they end up uh, coming back again and again. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So I'm very excited about the next episode of Learning Unboxed. We are on the road again. This time we are talking with folks in Casper, Wyoming, and we are going to talk about uh, a topic that is near and dear to kids pretty much all over the world at some point uh, growing up. Kids discover dinosaurs and love dinosaurs. And so we're going to talk about uh, dino digs and the opportunity to learn about an entire career and a field of scientific study from an amazing expert. So joining us today is JP uh, Cavagelli, uh, who is the collections manager the prep lab manager and the field trip organizer for the Tate Geological Museum at Casper College in Casper, Wyoming. So welcome, JP. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. This is going to be fun, I think. It's going to be a, a blast. And joining Excellent. JP, yeah, and joining JP is um, Dylan Trent. And Dylan is a sophomore at Upper Arlington High School. And full disclosure, I have known Dylan since he was in kindergarten. And Ooh, as long as I've known Dylan, Dylan has loved dinosaurs. I remember you talking about them as a little kid. And so, uh, Dylan, <laughs> welcome, because we're now going to talk about that passion of yours. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So I want to start with JP. I want you, if you could, just give give folks who don't know about the Tate sort of a, a 50,000 sort of foot view of the sort of mission and vision of the museum, and then we'll launch into the programming pieces. Well, well if, you had, uh, if I'd known you were going to ask me about the mission, I would have typed that up so I could just read it. But basically, <laughs> we, are, we are a small uh, geology Museum at Casper College, which is a state-run community college in Wyoming. And we have, we have a, like I said, a geology museum. It was started by a Mr. and Mrs. Tate in 1980 or so. And they wanted to showcase uh, Wyoming's rocks to the people of Wyoming because Wyoming rocks. And also <laughs> it has a lot of rocks. <laughs> and it's, so it's been about 35, what is that, 40 years now. And we are actively building our collection of fossils. That's kind of my job there. And hoping to let other folks from around the world experience the joy and troubles of finding dinosaur bones. That's one of the, one of the goals when I came to this job. That's one of the things we wanted to do. That's yeah, where I met Dylan. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, <laughs> I've known Dylan for a half a year now. Was it a year and a half? 
I can't I think remember it was the year last year or the year before. <laughs> okay. I think it was the year before. Okay. I'm glad your memory is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. And for you know, we have listeners who come who come from all over the world. And so some of the some of the pieces I think for folks to to know is that and one of the things that I really appreciated about the bio that you sent over that we were chuckling about. Um, is the fact that JP, you you discovered paleontology in in college, you know, and and you've had the opportunity then since then to participate in expeditions all over the world. And you know, as I said, sort of in the intro, universally, kids love dinosaurs. Um, why do you think that is, JP? Why, why do kids love them so much? I think it's all marketing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah. well, I mean, look, Dylan's got some cool little stuffed animals there, but I see one of them is not a dinosaur. He's got a Dunkleosteus up there. Yep. And I know that because we have the same one at my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do they love dinosaurs? Well, they've been, uh, and I will go back to it. It's marketing. They've been marketed as big and ferocious and very extinct. And thank God they're very extinct. <laughs> and I think it's the big and ferocious that gets to kids and just the weird shapes that these things had when you start talking about stegosaurs and ankylosaurs those are darn weird animals when you compare them to you know a deer things we mm-hmm. see actually in the real world yeah i think that's they, part of the, the appeal I, I think that it is but it's also and here's one of the things that i remember with, with dylan so as, as a young younger kid and we'll we'll get to the dino dig part of this in a minute dylan because i know you'd uh-huh. rather talk about that than me keep going back to hey you know when you were a little kid right i mean i don't mean to embarrass you but but it, it's it's a great illustration of why i think that the program at the Tate Museum had such appeal for you because you, like so many kids, and I agree with JP, I think the marketing around dinosaurs has been epic, and I chose that word deliberately. Um, but but also, the, but the kids dig in really hard, right? In the sense that not only do the kids love it, and it's the mystery of it, but lots of little kids, when you start asking them in that dino phase that so many of them go on, they know a tremendous amount of facts. They, they may not always have them in the right context. But Dylan, you could tell me about the that particular type of dino. You, you knew stats about it. You had information about it. You just rattled it off as a kid and you may or may not remember that but lots of little kids do that right i mean what was it for you in particular um that got you so interested in paleontology because not every high school kid would go and full disclosure you you went with your mom because you were younger this was more of an adult program a lot of kids wouldn't do that but you did i just felt like i just wanted to see like what's out there like what, what how does a dino fossil get out of the ground and into a museum from like from like start to finish. I wanted to know like that whole thing. And like, since I had a love of dinosaurs, I was like, huh, this is interesting. My mom found it. Let's go do it. I'll drag you all the way out to Wyoming. Excellent and choice. Wyoming's a great place to be. Your mom asked me about it a lot. I graduated from high school in Wyoming. So I, 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 I really? totally get the place. Yeah. Yeah. Wyoming is a fun place. I will agree. <laughs> So JP, tell us about the the Dino program, the Dig program, and I know that it has a lot of adult orientation. Um, but but Dylan's not the only kid, I assume, over the years that have come and participate. And so so what's I could the purpose flatter of the him program? And say, yes, he's the only one we've allowed. But no, we've had a few others, and basically mm-hmm. our minimum age is is sixteen, 
I think. Yeah, 16. But if we occasionally we get younger kids who, I think Dylan was 14 when he came out. Is that that right, sounds Dylan? about right. Yeah. If it was a year and a half and, ago, I would have been 14. And, yeah. And, and did I make you write an essay? You did, yes. <laughs> All right. Then you must have passed. <laughs> and I'll say that because what we do with kids who are 16 or younger than 16, we'll take them down to 14. And we'll make them write an essay, basically stating why they want to come out and dig up a dinosaur. Uh, that way we kind of weed out the, the kids who are there because their parents want them to go dig up a dinosaur. We, those, those kids are a little harder to take along. If the kid wants to go up dig up a dinosaur, we'd love to have them. Thank you for coming, Dylan. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and uh, So yeah, Dylan wrote us a, a little essay. I can't remember what it all said, but... Should have previewed enough. that beforehand. I know we should have both looked at it. <laughs> That's on my work computer, and I'm working at home this month, so I couldn't have seen it anyway. But uh, yeah, so we, we it is mostly adult education, but we do get we get an awful lot of kids who are a little bit well Dylan's age right now mm-hmm. who come out mm-hmm. and with a either a father or a mother or even a friend. And who just want to sample paleontology? We get a lot of young, kind of first-year freshman college kids who are thinking, "Is this what I want to do?" Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what: last year we had one who certainly wanted to be a paleontologist, and even after a week in the field with us, she still wants to be a paleontologist. <laughs> but she doesn't want to do field work. <laughs> she decided that field work was not for her; it was just too hot and dusty for her. But she still wants to go out and study fossils in, in the lab or in collections and stuff. I thought that was very educational for her. And I'm not sure exactly what career path Dylan's going on now, but I hope our trip was good for you too. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things that we see repeatedly. We love applied field sciences and opportunities for kids, You know, whether they're young kids, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, um, all the way through those early collegiate kiddos, because it gives them the opportunity to figure out what I love and what I don't love and what I want to do and what yeah. I don't want to do. So I appreciate actually the story of the young woman who still wants to stick with paleontology, but recognized that the, the field part was not for her. And that's so critically important as kids navigate post-secondary and you know yeah, where and how they spend their money and their time. So um, yeah, I applaud and their, and their that, JP. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Dylan, when you were at the dino camp, so you have to write an essay. So that was probably a, 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 an Wait, interesting can I, can sort I, of... Can I oh, correct yes, myself? It was, yeah. it was a paragraph, not an essay. Okay. I'm okay. pretty <laughs> sure I wrote an essay. I remember... I think I wrote way I more know, than Dylan a paragraph. Dylan remembers it differently, JP. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it we should have gone back paragraph, to But I'm pretty sure I wrote an essay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, either way, though, through that experience, though, you actually had to apply. You get in, you get to go. So what what were some of the things, Dylan, that were surprises to you? I mean, other than, hey, I think I like paleontology and some 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 work online to sort of figure out what you think it's going to be. But the realities of field sciences are very different than what we see on television or in the movies or even on a website. So so what was what was something that you experienced while you were there that was surprising to you? Something that I experienced was surprising was first of all how much less oxygen is up there because like there's like significantly <laughs> less 
<laughs> and um, yeah, that was one thing that was surprising. Um, and second of all, the second thing that was surprising was like, you don't actually make very many discoveries, like really big discoveries, like every day. You just make little small ones that then amount to like a big discovery in the end. Exactly. You mean you yeah. didn't one day it's, just suddenly find an entire dinosaur just hanging out there waiting for you? Bingo. It all started with a cow bone. <laughs> <laughs> what what JP? So I assume that lots of folks who show up, they that you know, they have expectations and the reality is very, very different. How do you how do you help folks ultimately understand that I didn't find that giant dinosaur, but I found these small pieces. How do you help them understand oh, yeah. the context for that? Yeah, and that, that happens a lot. You know, we get a lot of people come out and say, I, I'm going to find the next T-Rex. Of course, T-Rex is the most <laughs> popular. Everyone loves it. And they go away and they say, oh, look, I found a scrap of bone. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and they realize, I mean, we show them, we have a T-Rex we found a few years ago. We show them the T-Rex. We give them an idea of, we take them to the site that, where we found it, for example, and we give them a good idea of how much work went into collecting the darn thing. And I think it opens a lot of people's eyes. And we also show them our T-Rex because ours doesn't have a head. So it also <laughs> opens people's eyes as to uh, what you actually find when you start looking for dinosaurs and other fossils. You don't find them looking like you do at uh, the museum there. There's a lot of work into what you see at the museum. Yeah, a lot of work. A so lot Dylan, of work. <laughs> you got to do some of that lot of work. So so tell the folks that are listening, you know, there, there are other kids that are out there or there are teachers who would love to be able to make, you know, paleontology more real for their for, for their kids in their classroom who might say, hey, I want to go hang out with JP because he's a cool guy um, for part of my summer. Um, <laughs> but 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 talk folks through, you know, sort of what the experience was. I mean, the real experience, not the not the fictional, I think I know what I'm getting into experience. So once you got out there, what were, what were you doing? Well, once we got out there after like the six days in a row that it rained. Um, oh, man, that you, could, you were out there that <laughs> <laughs> What happened when we got out there was we got in a hole. It was hot. It was dusty. That is like half of the glory of it. <laughs> and then we took we took a brush, a chisel, I think. Was there a hammer? There might have been a hammer. The tool set that we had, whatever that tool set was, we had a little square set out for ourselves. And we kind of just dug in there, just seeing what we could find. And I know I found a scrap of sore. I found that one circle fossil that I forgot to check up with JP on what that was actually giant leg bone that I had to lift up. Anyways, that thing was heavy. Again, this <laughs> yeah, bunch yeah, of that, rock, but <laughs> it, it's heavier than you would think that, it is. That's another thing people notice with these things. Mm -hmm. When they get big, they get pretty heavy. Hence the fossilized uh, part of that. Yes. Yeah. And then we but have to them with plaster and burlap. That makes them even heavier. Yeah, that makes it even heavier. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's part of it, right? The reason that these applied field programs are so important is they they help people to truly understand what the 
thing is and what the thing isn't um, as a research science. You know, people people have a lot of confusion around paleontology and archaeology, and they intersperse them all the time. You know, and as mm-hmm. JP as a paleontologist and me as an archaeologist, we feel very strongly these are two very different <laughs> disciplines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. we're real clear about that. But the general public, not so much. And so, JP, I would also assume that you have a fair number of teachers and ultimately um, students or folks from the community who find themselves, whether it's at the Dino Dig itself, but at the Tate, the museum itself. And and so how, how do or what's the work there that's really tied to sort of that outreach and engagement, that opportunity to use what goes on, you know, with the geological history of, of Wyoming to inform the next generation of folks who might be like Dylan and show up at your <laughs> dino dig? What's that look like? Um, well, one thing we do have is we have a, a very active education education what do we call him? Education specialist. I mean, we're mm-hmm. a small museum and we have our guy, Russell, who basically walks around the museum and engages himself with visitors all the time. And if they want to learn more, he's right there for them. And if they kind of say, hey, uh, we want to be, we want to go on our own, he'll just leave them alone. So we have that as a bonus, which a lot of museums, well, a lot of museums, you have to go find them. Russell will find you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have the, the prep lab, which is behind a sliding glass window, and people uh, can watch our volunteers working in there, working on bones. And generally, if people sit at the window long enough watching what we're doing, one of the guys will open up the window and start talking with them. They'll kind of basically, visitors will get a, a firsthand experience talking to these guys who actually work on bones. And again, People go away learning that these big bones take a heck of a lot of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then then ultimately, Dylan, so as you started working in and uncovering the different bones, did you have the opportunity to then take those or have some experience with them in the lab? Or did you, you visit the lab ahead of time? Because I remember talking to you when you came back that there were multiple different sort of components of the things that you did because you weren't just in that hole on the days it wasn't raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we went to the lab beforehand, if I remember correctly. We went to the I'm lab beforehand. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, we went to the lab beforehand, checked out what was going on there, and then we went out to the dig site. One of the things I remember going to specifically on one of the rainy days, the hot springs, the hot springs mammoths. Yes. 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 There. Um, yeah. In South Dakota. I remember going there to see those, that site, which was really cool as well. Definitely suggested if you're in North or South Dakota, one of the two. So they're practically South Dakota. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, don't tell South Dakotans that. <laughs> so, so, so let's not tell Dylan's mom, but we need some geography lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Dakota the, the, the South Dakotans are pretty particular about where they are. So um yeah, absolutely. So so JP <laughs> as as over the years, so how long has this uh, the Dino Dig piece of the program been running? How long have you guys been doing that? Uh we started I think in I started working there in two thousand four and I think we started in two thousand five, but mm-hmm. they've been doing it beforehand with previous people various incarnations. So I think it goes back to the mid-90s anyway. At the Tate yeah, Museum. and 
I wonder if maybe even a little earlier than that, I'm dating myself. But um, like I said, I went to uh, high school in Wyoming, not too far, actually, um, from where you are in Casper. Yeah. And I I remember folks talking about the dino digs. They were going on, you know, and of course, you know, there are lots of opportunity for that in that part of the world generally. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of those components that that had been around. So... Um, it's a great opportunity uh, for folks to be able to engage um, in in that. So what yep. do you think is the, other than just, you know, the continuous uncovering and the work that the Tate Museum is doing generally, where do you see the big opportunity for the public, that sort of education piece of the general public as it relates to the work that you're doing? Is it in the potential of new unfound discoveries? Is it in just the educating of folks to understand what this is and the hope that folks will figure out, hey, I might want to do this or even not do this? Where where do you think is that long-term potential from the education space here? I think it's a little, it's, it's a little of both, of course, and it all depends on exactly the individuals. But, uh, but you'd be surprised how many people come out on our digs and you know, since they were Dylan's age, they wanted to be a paleontologist, but they had to go out and get a job, make money, which we generally don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now they're retired and they're finally joining up on a dinosaur dig and they end up uh, coming back again and again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we get, we get an, an amazing amount that are kind of from that, that uh, whatever mold, if you will. No, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I see the same thing, you know, in my work in archaeology. You have a fair number of folks who, hey, I wanted to be an archaeologist. You know, I thought Indiana Jones was cool and all the archaeologists just trained, of course, right? (laughs) We're like, oh, God, don't say that. But the reality of it is, is lots of folks find their way back again. They do. Either Mm -hmm. as a retirement project or a second career even. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say the second most... uh, let's say biggest group of people is people Dylan's age and a little bit older, college freshmen, et cetera, who just want to get some field experience and learn how the how paleontology works in the field. And basically that's what we focus on. Dylan mentioned that we do visit the lab and we do that kind of as as a part of the part of the trips, but that's a minor aspect, just just to show <laughs> what goes on in the lab and what we have in our collections and the stuff that we found on similar trips that they'll be going on give them an idea what to look for, et cetera. Do you think that the field experience generically is one that lots of folks either should have had an opportunity to do earlier in life or I guess what I'm really trying to ask here is, you know, there has been such a shift over time from very, very hands-on and applied teaching and learning to we got into this mode where we got all these, you know, canned curriculums, I guess, if you will, um, for Mm. better or worse, right? And we're not Mm. going to get into that debate. And there was this lost (laughs) sense of understanding of our place in the world, in my opinion, again, as a field researcher myself, right? And so I would have these kids that would show up um, in my collegiate programs with absolutely no sense of what it meant to be outside and certainly no sense of what it meant to (laughs) study or do work outside. Do you see that? A little bit, but, uh, and it is, it's often shocking. And one of the, uh, I think there's more of a sense, I mean, because we go to some pretty remote places in Wyoming. I think people are 
they know what to expect when they come outside, but they don't expect to go to places where the next door neighbor is eight miles away and you can't <laughs> see his house from there. I think that shocks more people than the actual being outside outside part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, that geographical I mean, the places we work, people, yeah, yeah, people, places we work, people live out there and they work out there and they raise cattle and whatnot. And that is often a very eye-opening experience for a lot of these folks who come from well back east in California and, mm-hmm. and heck even Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dylan, when you when you got to Wyoming, had you been in that part of the country before? Uh, I think the furthest west I had gone was maybe like Kentucky. Yeah, that's not maybe west. Illinois. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like still in like the Midwest. Um, I remember not being so freaked out out about a bit about it. I just remember like having oxygen deprivation due to like being way higher above sea level. The most freaked out thing, yeah. the most freaked out person was my mom who figured out that you <laughs> saw the speed limit being 80 miles per hour and was just, mm-hmm. like, thrown in a tailspin about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a whole, a, whole, a whole different world. Dylan, would you, would you, do, would you do this type of uh, experience again? Maybe not necessarily dinos, but would you, would you do this again? Definitely. He didn't even hesitate, JP. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dylan, Dylan, let me throw this at you. Are you still thinking of uh, being a paleontologist if you grow up? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of like three career options I've thought of myself, and I can't think of the third one right now. So, one of two, okay, probably. Throw the, se- throw the second one out there, just for last. Uh, the, the second other one? one is like computer sciences. Okay. And actually, there's you know, there's a lot of fields that mix both. Right now, mm-hmm. paleontology is becoming so computer-oriented. My Learn them both, and you might just... you might go far. <laughs> All the digital modeling, there is opportunity there, Dylan. It's you. Yeah, digital digital modeling and digital uh, data of all kinds, three D uh, scanning and CAT scanning, etc., and chemical analyses, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There's Absolutely. so much computer work in paleontology these days that the field trips we lead and go out on are kind of a small part of it only anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it sounds to, sounds to me, Dylan, like you just got an invitation from JP to come and hang out again. <laughs> oh, wait, that doesn't mean I do computer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little bit. I, I take fossils into the hospital and get them CAT scanned and stuff. That's kind of fun. There you go. There you go. Well, so as um, sort of the next steps or next iterations um, of the, the pieces that I, I want to talk about, uh, we have... You know, many of our listeners are teachers or folks who are involved in some type of formal education setting. And they're always looking for ways to engage their students. So, JP, um, can you, you know, if, if you have a teacher who sends you an email and says, hey, I heard about the Dino Dig, it, can you think of ways that I could replicate something that I could utilize in my classroom. What kind of suggestions would you have for teachers about real ways, not really truly artificial, but real ways that they could engage their students in the science of paleontology? Oof. I know it's a bit of a loaded question. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, can I do my homework and call you back next week? (laughs) (laughs) You can. Folks can reach out to you because by that time you'll have had time. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what? I would say I would need to know what their line of thinking is coming into it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many things you can do with paleontology from basically you can do anatomy, you can do geography, you can do geology, you can do, do, do what else can you do? I had a few thoughts in mind. You can do computer programming with paleontology, you know, do things like uh, sorting of different characteristics, which is what a lot of paleontologists do, do to find out who's related to what. I think that you can take paleontology and, and uh, Heck, you can teach English with paleontology. Absolutely. Kids love dinosaurs. Kids love all fossils. Make them write a, a fun paper about something that they think is interesting in paleontology. And then like a full-on the essay gonna... and not just a paragraph? Oh, see, that'd be excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dil- Dylan was lucky. We didn't, ch- we didn't check for spelling. I can't remember how we did on that one. But <laughs> I think I have my mom spell check it. <laughs> so, so Dil- yeah, Dylan I think you can say paleontology and go all over the place educationally. You, you can, and that's one of the beauties of it, right? And I also think that that's one of the reasons why um, teachers in schools so actively reach out uh, to folks that are actually working in some of the applied spaces is how yeah. can I take the work that the JPs of the world in the middle of Wyoming <laughs> are doing and bring it into my classroom in Utah or in Peru or, you know, uh-huh. in Amsterdam. And and they can, they just have to, yeah. you know, have a, have a, a, a basic understanding of the science itself. So, so Dylan, the same question to you. So you've gone and you've done this and you've experienced mm-hmm. it, you know. And so, you know, if if one of your teachers um, or or teachers from other place said to you, Dylan, how could I take that experience that you had with JP and Wyoming and bring it into my classroom? What might you suggest to them? It might involve a little bit of digging and hiding a few cow bones in the backyard, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same idea too. Yeah, you could always do that. Sandbox with cow bones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I think for younger kids in Dillon, that'd be an excellent place to start. Dillon, Mm -hmm. Dillon, that's it's cool to do the real thing, but I think that's that's for younger kids. For the ones that get super interested in that, like you can then like bring them further, but like for the others, that's probably all that they'll need. They'll be like, Oh, I dug up this bone, I don't know what it's to if you don't tell them that it's a cow bone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) right. But and then, I mean, you could, again, take it to an anatomy lesson at that point. What is this bone? Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. So many different ways, I, th- I think, to tackle that. And, you know, there's so many different opportunities uh, because the kids, here's the thing about paleontology. And this is the reason I wanted to have the conversation about, hey, what was it like to go on a real dino dig? Is because kids are so naturally interested in it, um, you know, and and that may well be back to JP's point earlier that it's been an awesome marketing campaign where dinosaurs <laughs> are concerned. But you know, at the end of the day, I would argue that that's okay, right? It got kids interested so yeah. in yeah. science of any component. And and I love the fact that, you know, especially, you know, I'd love to say all, all kids, but I do believe it's a little more predominantly with little boys, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, you know, those, those kids that are, you know, between the ages of like five and eight or nine years old, man, you guys know some stuff about dinosaurs. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. a great legacy. So I want to thank both of you very much for spending time with us today. And for our listeners, we will post some resources, a web link um, to the Tate Geological Museum um, and some information about uh, the dino uh, dig. Um, but I thank you, uh, JP and Dylan, for spending uh, a little yep. time with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thank you for having us. And you can, you can have folks get in touch with me. 
Oh, you have my email address. You can post that <laughs> yep. if you want. We, we, we will, and I appreciate that very much, uh, JP. And we will definitely redirect folks uh, your way. And I hope that uh, you get some volunteers for your Dino Dig. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>